Welcome back. We have the week 16 NFL recap review. Some things we'll go over today is definitely the playoff picture as we get very close to that, but we'll also talk about Nathaniel Hackett getting fired, is Zach Wilson's Jets career over, and things like that. So I hope you guys enjoy the video. Leave a like, comment, and let's get into it. We start on Thursday night. The Jaguars were at the Jets, a rainy game. Um, Mike White was not cleared to play, so it was Zach Wilson starting his second consecutive game, and it went as badly as possible for Zach Wilson, unfortunately. 9 of 18, 92 yards, one interception. The offense could not move the ball. They brought in this guy after in the third quarter named Chris Streveler, who actually moved the ball better than Zach Wilson was. And um, it's not looking good. Zach Wilson's already ruled inactive for next week as Mike White's been cleared for the Jets' Week 17 matchup. Now, the Jets did lose this game, and it was embarrassing. They actually had a field goal like the first five minutes and did not score after that. But the Jets can still get in the playoffs if... The Patriots lose one of their next two games, and they play the Dolphins and the uh, Bills, so you would assume that the Patriots at least lose one of those games, and the Jets, if they win out, they would make the playoffs, and the Jets finish out at Seattle and at Miami, so Miami has looked a bit worse lately, it's definitely possible, same with Seattle, so the Jets still have some life as Mike White returns to the lineup, and for the Jaguars, I mean, my goodness, they really have pulled this comeback off, I mean, the AFC South looked like it was over a month ago, I believe that the Titans had like a four-game lead, looked very comfortable, and they still play the Titans in week 18, which will be a massive game, but still, that the Titans blew that division. It's pretty crazy. Um, Tannehill did get hurt. He's probably out for the season, so that does suck. Malik Willis is definitely not ready yet, but it seems like the Jaguars have a very good chance of making the playoffs, even after starting out the season. What was it? They were 2-7 two, two and seven maybe? I mean, it was, it was bad, so or 2-6, and six, let's call it. So Jacksonville had a 2-6 and six start, a chance to make the playoffs. Definitely awesome for them. But if you're a Jets fan, not so good on the Zach Wilson front right now. Next, we have the Falcons at the Ravens. The Ravens get their 10th win of the year, going to 10-5. and five. The Falcons drop to, I guess, the inverse of that. Is that the right word? Well, 5-10, and 10, so that's the opposite. But anyway, the Falcons, they are going nowhere. At one point, it seems like they were going to compete. And as I'm checking my phone, Tua Tungavailoa has a concussion. So that, of course, is going to impact the, um, the Miami Dolphins next game. I forget who they play. We'll go over that in a second. Um, so the Falcons, they only score 9 points they lose this game and I remember seeing on multiple occasions that the Falcons had a fourth and short it was late in the game like fourth quarter or so and Arthur Smith who is so committed to the run basically ran the same run play to the left on both fourth down plays and they got blown up for losses like Arthur Smith annoys me because like he just refuses to pass the ball in situations where you should pass the ball like I get you have a rookie quarterback making his second start Desmond Ritter who actually looked much better this start than the first one but like you can't just run into the defense on a fourth and two fourth and three multiple times and and get stopped both times it's you know it's pretty embarrassing but I do get that the Falcons have a pretty good run game once again Tyler Algier 18 carries 74 yards only eight carries for Cordero Patterson, so you don't see too much of him anymore. But for Baltimore, who did get flexed into Sunday night football, I believe, against the Steelers next week, 
Lamar Jackson, it's still a wait and see. They don't know if he's going to be ready yet, but it seems like he is getting closer. So that team at least has 10 wins. It seems like the Ravens are in a pretty good spot right now to make a, uh, you know, make the playoffs. Actually, they already did. I was wrong about that. So the Ravens already clinched. So they definitely got themselves at least a wild card spot. They do have teams like the uh, Chargers, Dolphins, two wins behind them. But yeah, the Ravens will be in the postseason. And of course, getting Lamar Jackson back is the most important part. The Lions at the Panthers, just an all-time sad loss by the Lions who... Of course, you know, Detroit was on a great winning streak. They had won one, two, three, four, five, six out of seven games. They were making a late playoff push and could have been like the first team in NFL history to make the playoffs after starting one and six. But they do fall short in a pretty big way. 37 to 23 loss at the Carolina Panthers. You're probably asking, how the hell did this happen? Well, look at some of the running back performances here by the Panthers. Deonta Foreman, 21 carries, 165 yards, and a touchdown. Chuba Hubbard, 12 carries, 125 yards, 10.4 carry, but no touchdown. They ran all up and down the Detroit Lions defense, and their defense was much better at stopping the run the past month or so, so it makes no sense as to why this happened, but very disappointing. Now, Jared Goff still had a good stat line, 355 passing yards, three touchdowns, did lose a fumble, of course, but still, I mean, he did play pretty well for the most part. It was just they couldn't stop the run, and that was pretty much the downfall of this Lions season, especially the first half when they were getting all those losses. For Carolina, it would have helped them a lot if Tampa lost last night, but they are still technically in the race. I do believe they play Tampa to close out the season. Now, they play them this upcoming week, actually. So definitely a huge game at Tampa. Right now, the Panthers are three-point underdogs, but definitely a big game for the pathetic NFC South that somebody has to win. The Buffalo Bills were at the Chicago Bears, a 35-13 victory for the Buffalo Bills. And I feel like the game was actually closer than what the final score will tell you. I do think the Bills played Justin Fields about as perfectly as you can. Now, Justin Fields is without uh, Claypool. He's without uh, Darnell Mooney. So his top two guys are out. It's going to be tough, of course, playing with that type of receiving core. But I feel like a lot of this game, the Bills put Tremaine Edmonds, who, of course, is a very athletic linebacker. They put him as like a quarterback spy for a lot of the game. And it did not allow Justin Fields to break off one of those massive runs. Fields' longest run in this game was only seven yards. He had seven carries for 11 yards on the ground. Fields as a passer was 15 of 23, 119 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. So definitely not a huge game from Justin Fields. I guess one concerning part about this game for Bills fans is that Josh Allen made just some terrible passes. I mean, Allen as a passer was not that great. Only 172 passing yards, but had two interceptions. It was very cold in this game. I will say, I think this game was like somewhere below 10 degrees. A lot of games were actually. This was like the coldest NFL weekend since 1996. That was actually the year that I was born. So very long time ago, because I feel old as hell. Um, but yeah, Josh Allen had maybe like a it was like one of those just check down plays to a running back and he overthrew him and it's you know got intercepted like Josh Allen for how great he is sometimes the ball just comes out of his hand funny and it gets intercepted and that was just a bad looking play so the Bills offense they have a lot of ups and downs I do think they're running the ball much much better Devin Singletary James Cook had big games on the ground both averaged over eight yards per carry so that's good but if Josh Allen's throwing those stupid interceptions which we have seen this year um, that might be a problem when you're playing the better teams like the Bengals or the Chiefs come to playoffs the Saints were at the Browns and this might have been the worst weather game of the entire weekend which definitely went up against some other bad weather games so that's saying a lot 
And I think like half the stadium in Cleveland was empty. That's how bad it was. I, I don't, I can't fathom how somebody would sit through that when the Browns are like six and nine. I don't get why a fan would put themselves through that, but whatever. I guess some people just have a lot of pride about going to games and stuff. I, I would never do that. Anyway, the Saints win 17 to 10. So both teams are now six and nine. And this game was annoying. I mean, this, I'm saying this from a fantasy football perspective, but also like real life. So I started Taysom Hill in my tight end spot. I'm thinking like, oh, this is the jackpot because you can't pass in this weather very well. Dennis Allen's going to be a smart man and put Taysom Hill, his dual threat quarterback slash tight end slash wide receiver slash running back at quarterback for most of the game. But they still had Andy Dalton in there way too much. He had 15 pass attempts and then they finally put Taysom Hilden on like the final drive of the second quarter and what do you know it's a touchdown drive like it was the perfect game for just read options and RPOs with Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara but for some reason Dennis Allen was like no Andy Dalton and their offense struggled it's it's very annoying and Andy Dalton actually had an interception in this game too I think it got batted up but I forget if it was his fault the receiver but still it just Dennis Allen pisses me off so Alvin Kamara had a decent game not great efficiency but 76 yards on the ground one touchdown he also had a long reception in this game he had a 29 yard reception and look at that Josh Norman's going to the Panthers practice squad wow that's interesting so that's where Josh Norman made a big name for himself um for Cleveland you had Nick Chubb 24 for 92 on the ground so not that efficient as well and uh it was weird because they weren't passing much the entire game but like on the final drive or so Deshaun Watson actually looked pretty good as a passer and I think Amari Cooper had a few catches so Watson did throw the ball 31 times compared to Dalton's 15 but the uh, Browns take a seven point loss here and you know both seasons are done for these teams but if you're the Browns you just got to work on that defense a bit more because there were a lot of holes on defense this year the Saints of course have to find their future quarterback they have a decent roster you know elsewhere so we'll see what happens in the offseason the Seahawks were at the Chiefs and it is a it is a 24 to 10 win for the Kansas City Chiefs I would say the Chiefs defense stepped up a lot in this game. I mean, just watching it, I know it was going to be tough because Tyler Lockett's out, who is Geno Smith's like number two receiver. So that was going to be tough. And the guy that replaced him had zero catches in Marquise Goodwin, who was kind of hurt that game as well. But he still played. But the Chiefs defense looked awesome. Just constant pass rush on Geno Smith. I know that they have two rookie tackles. It makes it easier. But um, Kansas City now, they have a pass rush. And of course, when you get to January, February playoff football, that comes in handy. And I do think that will help the Chiefs out a lot. So they can definitely make a deep run just because they have Mahomes and that offense. But them having a pass rush in the playoffs will help the Chiefs out a ton. They improved the 12 and 3. Seattle, after starting out the year like 6 and 3, they're now 7 and 8. So they have really been bad the past month and a half or so. But yeah, a lot of this game was just Geno Smith and fourth down plays. They went 3 of 6 on fourth down, so not like the worst conversion rate, but they did miss on some fourth downs and they just did not have enough offense. They had success running the ball with uh, Kenneth Walker, 4.1 a carry on 26 carries, but the passing game for the um, for the Seahawks was not working whatsoever. Seattle, of course, definitely has to win out. They finish out their season against the Jets, which of course is a big playoff implication game for both teams, and they finish at home versus the Rams, who just put up 51 points somehow. I, we'll go over that later, but um, yeah, so I guess a pretty tough game followed by what should be an easier game against the Rams, but Seattle really can't afford to lose at this point. The Giants, they took a tough loss. It still annoys me how this game went, but the Giants fall 24 to 27 against the Minnesota Vikings, a game that I think the Giants kind of let slip away. They beat themselves in a few ways in this game, just 
dropping interceptions and and just allowing third down and longs on the final drive by the Vikings and a bad fumble in the red zone, a Daniel Jones interception. I will say Daniel Jones played his best game of the year, so that was very encouraging, but they just beat themselves in a lot of ways, the Giants. It was pretty unfortunate. Greg Joseph made a 61-yard game-winning field goal. That's actually the third time in the last six seasons or five seasons that the Giants have lost on exactly a 61-yard field goal. It's actually pretty crazy. Graham Gano, the current Giants kicker, did it to them in 2018. Jake Elliott did it to them in 2017. And now Greg Joseph, exactly 61 yards. So if you're a team going against the Giants and you have a game-winning 61-yard field goal set up, you're probably going to make it. So congrats. But um, it's tough. I mean, look, Kirk Cousins looked pretty good for the most part. TJ Hawkinson had a great game. Justin Jefferson broke the uh, Minnesota Vikings single-season franchise receiving yards record, so that was cool to see. Minnesota's not perfect, and I would be surprised if they make like a Super Bowl run, but they are 12-3. and The Giants are 8-6-1. and The Giants, they do control their own destiny. They just have to win next week against the Colts, and they're good. But I do leave this game a lot more encouraged by Daniel Jones. He looked great in this game, honestly. He was 30 of 42, 334, one touchdown, one interception. But I think Jones looked awesome. Even Saquon Barkley ripped off a big run to tie the game or actually go down by two. And the Giants got a two-point conversion. So a very exciting game. I would recommend watching the highlights of this one if you missed it. But uh, the Giants do take a tough loss here. And Minnesota goes to 12-3. and Bengals at the Patriots. A weird game. Really weird game. So it started out as a 22-0 lead for the Bengals. And they were dominating. And then Joe Burrow had an interception. And then the Patriots offense actually started doing stuff. And Jacoby Myers scored this ridiculous 48-yard touchdown where it got batted down but got hit into Jacoby Myers' hands. And he caught the ball for a 48-yard touchdown. So there was some luck involved, definitely. But there was also a play, a key play in this game where there was a fumble and the Patriots were driving. They were on Cincinnati's five-yard line on a first and five. I believe someone went off sides. They got a first and five, so they are down by four points. And a touchdown, of course, would put the Patriots up by two. Impending field goal would make it three. And Ramondre Stevenson, who I don't think has a fumbling issue, fumbles. B.J. Hill recovers it, and the Bengals got the ball back. So just like the worst time for Ramondre Stevenson to fumble there. And, of course, the Patriots needed every win they can get at this point in the season. They're not done yet, but they definitely needed that win. Mac Jones had, like, the most Mac Jones stat line of all time. 240 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers, but... He was sacked four times, and I'm not too impressed by what the Patriots do offensively. Um, I do think they're currently in the play. No, they're not in the playoffs right now. They're actually like on the eight, they're eight seed, basically. So they're right out there on the outside looking in. But they would need, I guess, the Dolphins to lose or the Chargers to lose. And they, of course, need to win out the Patriots. So not impossible they get in. But as I mentioned, they have a tough schedule. They do finish out the year playing the Dolphins this week but if two is out with a concussion it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater that will help out a lot and then they finish the year at Buffalo which is never easy but maybe Buffalo is sitting their starters if they have stuff clinched we'll see what happens there but a tough loss there for the Patriots who had a real chance to win the Bengals are on fire they have won I think seven games in a row one two three four five. yeah seven games in a row I mean they're they're on fire they have not lost since October so Bengals looking very good. A scary team to play in the playoffs, and I guess we'll see who they match up against, but I would not want to play Cincinnati right now. The Texans were at the Titans, as I mentioned before. Ryan Tannehill done for the year with that foot or ankle injury, whatever it was, but... So yeah, their season's pretty much over. Malik Willis, who I believe was a third-round pick, he was at a Liberty... Definitely a raw prospect. He is not ready to play starting quarterback in the NFL. 
and he had a couple pretty costly interceptions in this game, including the last one that sealed the game. But, um, you know, a good job by the Texans to keep fighting in this game. Brandon Cooks had a late touchdown to take the five-point lead. Um, and right off the bat, it looked like Derrick Henry was going to have one of those massive games. He had a 48-yard touchdown. And we know about Derrick Henry versus the Texans in recent years. Those are like the most insane numbers against a team you'll ever see. I think Henry's like last four, five, six games, he had over 200 rushing yards in every game versus the Texans. So I would say this game for Derrick Henry was a bit of a down game. He only had 23 carries for 126 yards. Not so good for Derrick Henry, um, which is pretty crazy to say. But yeah, so the Texans get their second win. They're 2-12-1. Tennessee has just completely fallen apart. They had a, such a great start to the year. They have now dropped five games in a row. And after that win at Green Bay in week 11, it looked like there was a 98% chance that they would take this division. The Colts were terrible. The Texans the Texans we know were terrible. And Jacksonville at that time did not have a good record. But somehow Jacksonville has started to win. Everything has gone wrong for the Titans. And now they're losing every game. So the Titans right now are at the Cowboys this upcoming week. They're basically 10-point underdogs. So there's a really good chance the Titans miss the playoffs. And they do finish out at Jacksonville, which is a game that, you know, unless Trevor Lawrence is, like, going to lose a, a big game like that, it seems like the Jaguars are going to win the AFC South, which is something I not would not think I'd be saying a month and a half ago. The Commanders were at the 49ers and a dominant 49ers victory. Um... George Kittle did his thing, had multiple touchdowns over 30 yards, just weaving through the defense like Travis Kelsey does. I don't know how these big tight ends get through all these secondary guys so easily, but they do. Um, and the Niners' defense is so dominant. I know that Washington put up 20 in this game, but like they had a goal line stand, the uh, Niners' defense. They look so good. And right now, my team, the Giants, they're slated to play the Niners in the first round of the playoffs in San Francisco. I am not looking forward to that. That team is so good. Even with Brock Purdy at quarterback, they're still very dominant, which is scary. So they should have Debo Samuel back for the playoffs, assuming that his you know healing is going okay. But um, for the commanders, they did bring in Carson Wentz for um, Taylor Heineke. So um, we'll see who starts for them going forward. But the commanders, they need to win. I mean, they have like four teams or three teams a half game behind them. They have the Seahawks, Lions, and Packers. So three teams a half game behind them. They have to keep winning here. So they finish out the year, the commanders, with the Browns. They play them at home. And they also finish out at home against the Cowboys. So you would think they should beat the Browns next week. You never know, of course. But the game against the Cowboys, they might be resting their guys unless the uh, Cowboys have a chance to overtake the Eagles in the NFC East race and get the one seed. That, of course, could be a possibility, assuming, you know, that the Eagles lose next week as well and the Cowboys win. But we'll find out about that in Week 18. But, um, yeah, San Francisco, I don't want to play them. They're, they're so damn good. And if Jimmy Garoppolo comes back, that team has a very solid chance of going back to the Super Bowl. Even with Brock Purdy, there's a chance. The Eagles, they take a six-point loss at the Dallas Cowboys, 40-34. to So a very high-scoring game. Of course, no Jalen Hurts. Gardner Minshew came in and... You know, he had some risky throws in there. He did have two interceptions, but overall not the worst day when you put up 34 offensive points. Actually, not all offensive because Josh Sweat had a pick six on defense, so that was not offensively, but you get the point. Not like the worst game in the world for the Eagles offense without Jalen Hurts, but um, they still put up points. And Dallas's offense, they finally looked pretty damn good for the most part. I did just talk about the pick six, but aside from that, I thought Dallas's offense looked pretty good. Tony Pollard still dominant. CeeDee Lamb had a very good game. He had like 100 
120 yards, two touchdowns. So Dallas right now, they are 11 and four and the Eagles are 13 and two. So I think there is a chance, of course, if the Cowboys win out and the Eagles lose out, there's a chance that they can win the NFC East and the Eagles finish out the year against the Saints, where they're six-point favorites, six-and-a-half-point favorites, and against the Giants, which if Jalen Hurts is back, or even if he's not back, the Eagles will probably be favored to win that game. And for Dallas, they have the Titans next week with a backup quarterback, so that should be a pretty, not easy, but we we almost saw the Cowboys lose to the Texans, but it should be a win for Dallas. Then they finish out the season at Washington, so... You know, there's a chance that both teams go 2-0 and and they finish out the way their records are now. The Eagles would go 15-2 and and the Cowboys would go 13-4, and but it's the NFL. You never know. The Raiders, they drop a game they should have won, 13-10. The Steelers take this one. They improve to 7-8. and The Raiders drop to 6-9. and Embarrassing performance for Derek Carr. Not good weather. I'll give him that, but just an awful awful second half for Derek Carr. Three interceptions, 174 passing yards. It was rough. Even Josh Jacobs got bottled up by the Steelers run defense. They were awesome in this game. So, I mean, the Steelers didn't do much, but they did find a way. It was a a game that was not fun to watch, but um, I guess the cold weather games and the ones with really bad conditions, they do make the game interesting. And with 50 seconds left, Kenny Pickett found George Pickens for a 14-yard touchdown to take a three-point lead. For most of the game, it was a 10-3 lead for the Raiders. And then, of course, they had a 40-yard field goal by Boswell in the early fourth quarter. And then Kenny Pickett game-winning drive to seal the deal here for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it was good to see for Kenny Pickett. I mean, the Steelers, I don't know if they're still alive for the playoffs. I mean, probably not. I guess they technically have a chance. They are 7-8. and eight. They are battling with, like, the Jets and Patriots record-wise. And let's see who they finish out the season with, because that'd be very interesting if the uh, Steelers somehow got in the playoffs. They finish out against Baltimore. So, of course, if it's Tyler Huntley, even Lamar Jackson, there's a chance they win that game. And they finish out against Cleveland. So there's a chance that Pittsburgh could go 2-0 and maybe get to 9-8 and maybe make the playoffs. I mean, you know, I guess I've seen crazier stuff happen before, but Pittsburgh is definitely not dead yet. But the Raiders, they're dead. The Packers were at the Dolphins. These are the Christmas Day games now. The Packers, they get a really much needed win. They go uh, to seven and eight. They win this one 26 to 20. Tua Tungavailoa, they call him Tua turn the ball over now because he was awful in the fourth quarter. He had three interceptions in this game. I think all three of them may have been in the, in the fourth quarter. It, it was such a bad quarter for Tua. It seemed like the Dolphins had a pretty, you know, pretty good control of this game at one point. I mean, yeah, they were up 20 to 10 at one point in the second quarter. So it seemed like, especially with the Packers offense not being as dominant as it used to be, that, um, you know, the Dolphins would be able to coast their way to a victory, but that's not how it went. They got shut out in the second half. Mason Crosby, a couple short field goals, and that pretty much gave them the win. So great job by the Packers to keep on winning these games. They've won three games in a row now against the Bears, the Rams, and now the Dolphins. The Packers finish out the year against the Vikings and the Lions. And right now, the Packers are three-point favorites over the Vikings. I guess the books hate the Vikings. I don't know. They always have them as like a very low... 
I feel like they they value them lower than the public sees the Vikings. I mean, the public doesn't like the Vikings either. I don't know, but their record is still good. And now the Dolphins, who at one point were like eight and four or something, they've lost four games in a row. So they're at a point now where they're they were eight and three actually. So now they're eight and seven. They have to uh, start winning games. I think they have to at least win one of these games to end the year. They do have that last playoff spot right now at eight and seven. They have the seventh seed in the AFC, so that last wild card spot. They play the um, the Patriots next week. As I mentioned, Tua has a concussion, might not play, and they finish out at home versus the Jets, which, of course, could be a tough game versus that defense. So not easy for Miami to get into the playoffs. I would think they still do it, but if Tua's out, I mean, it's going to be tougher. We do know that. The Broncos lose 14-51. to I mean, what the hell? Like, How does this make any sense? They lost to the Rams, by the way. And they're probably saying, oh, the Rams, they won the Super Bowl last year. They're good. Well, no, they're not good anymore. They're 5-10. and 10, So, um, yeah, that was a rough game. I didn't watch much of this game at all. Like, I saw some Tyler Higby catches, and, like, that was it. Cam Akers runs. But this game was over very, very early. It was a 17-0 lead out the gate for the Rams. It was a Higby touchdown, a Cam Akers touchdown. And it just got very ugly. I was actually watching the Celtics Bucks game, and one of my cousins was. I asked what the score was, and he was like, "Oh, it's like forty-four to 14 I'm like, "What? Like, how does that even happen?" And then we find out today that Nathaniel Hackett gets fired, so he did not even complete one season in the NFL. And for me, and I'm sure some other people that saw this as well, this goes back to Week One. You can see right away against Seattle, the game where Russell Wilson went back to Seattle as a member of the Broncos that Nathaniel Hackett was not head coach material. Some of the clock management and decisions we saw in that first game were rough. And I wanted to give him like the benefit of the doubt because, hey, it's your first game as a head coach. I get it. Tough environment in Seattle. Very overwhelming. But he has not gotten much better. And I'm not saying the entire problem is Nathaniel Hackett's fault. I mean, the Broncos have had injuries. Russell Wilson's falling off a cliff. Their offensive line stinks. Guys are fighting with each other. So really bad vibes overall for the Broncos right now. But such a disappointing season for a team that if things broke the right way, could have competed for a Super Bowl. We we all have been saying the past few years, oh, if the Broncos get a quarterback, they'll be Super Bowl contenders. And like they get Russell Wilson, the future Hall of Fame quarterback until he got here. And it's like they suck and it just makes no sense. So if you're Denver, you have to get somebody that's offensive minded and get Russell Wilson back to what he was. Because if you can't get Russell Wilson back there they are going to be in a very rough spot. They cannot get out of that Russell Wilson contract until like 2025. So a lot of problems there. Maybe Sean Payton goes to Denver. I don't know, but they have to find somebody that can unlock Russell Wilson once again, because if he plays like this, this is going to be like one of the worst trades in NFL history. Sunday night, it was the Buccaneers at the Cardinals. Buccaneers get a very, very slight win against a uh, Trace McSorley-led Cardinals team, which tells you all you need to know about how not good the uh, Buccaneers are this year. It was so tough to watch their offense play football. It went to overtime. Tom Brady was down 16-6 to in the fourth quarter. I mean, their offense was doing nothing. And there were so many checkdowns, check it felt like that Leonard Fournette had 50 catches in this game. He had... How many catches did he actually have in this game? He had nine receptions. I mean, nine receptions for their running back, 90 yards. He had that one long catch for 44 yards in the fourth quarter. But, yeah, it was just so tough to watch. Mike Evans, another stinker of a game. Three catches, 29 yards for him. So I think he might fail to reach 1,000 yards this year, which would be the first time in his uh, 
really good NFL career. Trace McSorley, not the best game passing, of course, 24 of 45, 217 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. DeAndre Hopkins, he only had one catch. You don't see that very often. One catch for 10 yards or one catch for four yards on 10 targets. Oh my God, I have never seen something like that. 10 targets and he gets one catch. That is rough. Wow. So um, yeah, a 10% catch percentage there on targets for uh, for DeAndre Hopkins. That just shows, shows you how inaccurate that quarterback McSorley is. So that was not fun to see. But yeah, the Cardinals are in a rough spot. But for the Buccaneers, they got by at the end there. They had a touchdown drive to Rashad White with eight minutes to go, making it 16-13. They got a Ryan suck-up field goal. The defense, they, they really like, got it together in overtime in the late fourth quarter. So they got it done, but like Tampa is getting by in like the worst way. They, some of these wins they've had, like the comeback wins down by like multiple, you know, by double digit points in the fourth quarter, it does not seem sustainable. They have done it against bad teams. They played like the Saints. They had that one against the Rams. I mean, they, you know, I just feel like the Buccaneers are very fraudulent. They're not a good team whatsoever. Of course, it's Tom Brady. It's tough to give up on them, but I just do not see a way they win a game in the playoffs. I think right now they are slated to play the Cowboys in round one. Of course, they will be the home team because, you know, division winners get the first home game. So right now, if things stand the way they do, which I think it will at this point, the Cowboys will be at the Buccaneers. I don't see how the Cowboys take over the Eagles in the NFC East, and I don't see how the other wildcard teams chase the Cowboys because the Giants, I don't think, can mathematically catch the Cowboys anymore. So very good chance it's Dak and the Cowboys at Brady and the Buccaneers in the wild card round, and I would definitely take the Dallas Cowboys in that matchup. Tonight's game will be the Chargers at the Colts. I'm actually interested to see how this game looks because my Giants play the Colts next week, and I want to see how Nick Foles looks. It's his first start this year as the Colts made their fourth or fifth quarterback change the entire year, so really a shit show over there. But yeah, so we'll see what happens in that game. I would expect that the um, the Chargers win. Right now, the Chargers are a wild card team. They're in the sixth seed at eight and six. They have been playing much better football lately, but I could see the Colts winning too. It's not impossible, but um, the Nick Foles magic, it may have ran out a while ago, but you never know. So we'll see what happens there. But playoff picture wise, we'll run through it one more time. In the AFC, here are your division leaders so far. You have the Bills, you have the Chiefs, you have the Bengals, and you have the Jaguars. In the fifth seed, you have the Ravens for the wild card. You have the Chargers for the wild card and the Dolphins for the wild card. Right behind them, you have the Patriots, Jets, Titans, Steelers on the outside looking in. So you never know, but that would be the playoff picture right now. For the NFC, division winners or leaders, not winners, leaders, the Eagles, the Vikings, the Niners, and the Buccaneers. So some of those divisions are still up for grabs, like the NFC South, and I think even the East is still kind of alive, but it seems like the West and the North are over. The Vikings and Niners, they should win those divisions. Wildcard teams, you have the Cowboys, the first wildcard team, second wildcard team is my Giants, and the third wildcard team right now are the Commanders at 7-7-1. Seven, seven, and one. So that tie is definitely holding them over for now because they have three teams at 7-8, and eight, a half game behind them. So the next matchup for the Commanders is Cleveland, as I mentioned. So if they can handle their own business there, they'll be all right for another week, but we'll find out what happens there. It will be a very entertaining end to the season there. But once again, if the Giants win on Sunday against the Colts, they're in for sure. But that last final wild card spot might come down or probably will come down till the final week of the season so that's pretty exciting and for the AFC final wild card spot that's also interesting because 
if the Chargers win tonight, they're pretty secure. They should make it. But if the um, Chargers lose, it, it still stays very interesting. They'll be eight and seven as well. And you have, you know, four teams at seven and eight right behind them. So I think the last wild card spot was a good idea. And it definitely makes getting the bye a lot more important because now there's one bye instead of two buys in each conference. So that was a good idea by the NFL. I'll give them that. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this video, this podcast. Leave a like, subscribe, all that good stuff. And I'll talk to you guys next week.